Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of the Josh Carr Show. I'm Josh Carr, um, and I will be making full-length podcasts once to twice a week, every week this summer, and hopefully at least once a week in the fall, um, as I do have some other projects I'm working on in the fall. But I'm very happy to be starting this podcast so that I can talk about current events uh, as well as politics at large, not just in America, but in the world. In fact, we will be expanding very soon into other languages, starting with Spanish, so I'm very excited for that. If you know anyone who speaks Spanish that is interested in current events, please reach out to me in the comment section. I will reply um, because I'm trying to gain as much intel and information on that as possible so I can create great content for Spanish-speaking um, Americans and others abroad as well. Um, as well as if you're on Apple Podcasts right now, please head over to my YouTube channel. It is Joshua Carr. Please subscribe, uh, consider liking and commenting below in this video as well. With that, we are going to talk today about Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign. He launched last week, I believe on Thursday, um, as well as the debt ceiling and what is going on with negotiations between Speaker McCarthy and President Biden. But with that, I want to talk really quick about this podcast, what I'm committed to doing um, for you, my viewers. Um, I will not pretend my number one thing in starting this, the thing that motivates me to talk about politics is right now in the legacy media, um, conservative and liberal, there is this lie that they are somehow creating objective journalism or is that, or that uh, uh, objective journalism exists. The reality is, is that objective journalism is dead. I firmly believe this. It's very sad. I, I'm not happy to see it. I think with the advent of uh, AI, we may see a return to more objective journalism, I hope. Um, what I hope to do is to give you both sides of the spectrum. What liberals are saying, what conservatives are saying, my take and being very transparent about my biases. At the end of the day, we are not having, we don't have objective journalism. We, all, we only have um, political commentators. And those political commentators can be obvious and authentic and transparent about their biases, or they can be shady about it. Um, and I would encourage people to go and listen to transparent and authentic people on all spectrums, but not to listen to uh, shady political commentators who pretend to be objective journalists. Um, with that, let's jump right into DeSantis's White House bid. So if you didn't hear, DeSantis launched his White House bid um, on Twitter, which drew a lot of uh, questions whether or not Elon Musk was supporting Ron DeSantis. The tweets that I've seen has been pretty transparent that Elon has said that he would love for any presidential candidate to host any number of events, including um, a, you know, a bid for the White House on Twitter. So I, I think uh, DeSantis just happened to be the one to do it. To give everyone a little bit of background to who Ron DeSantis is, now I assume pretty much everyone knows who he is, um, but for those of you who didn't know, he is the Florida governor. Before he was governor, he was a congressman for the state of Florida and actually had a large part in creating the Freedom Caucus, if you've heard of it. Um, they had a large part in um, delaying the vote of Speaker McCarthy uh, earlier this year. Um, he also ran for Senate in the in the Florida, or rather in the U.S. Senate for Florida, lost that and then ran for governor and won by about 0.4% in uh, 2018. In 2022, he won by over um, a million votes by a landslide. Um, and this has made him, in many people's eyes, uh, the front runner for the Republican ticket. 
um, over Trump because of the fact that he can bring so many people from uh, the left as well as independents to the Republican side. Um, but we're going to get more into that in just a second. Um, some of the hallmarks of Ron DeSantis' career, there's kind of three that I think um, when I think of his career. Uh, and I think that people need to think about this when considering whether or not to vote for him, whether you're a Republican or so you're looking at the primary or you're looking at him already as the Republican nominee against Biden. The three things that he's kind of known for is first, um, he sent tons of migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Well, I say tons. He sent a few hundred uh, migrants to Martha's Vineyard, as well as a few other locations, I believe. He's very hard on immigration. He got a lot of press for that. Uh, I personally thought it was a brilliant move. Um, liberals obviously hated it and said it was very, uh, um, that it was a human right abuse because he was literally shipping people places. Um, and the right obviously really enjoy it because the border being open is a big problem right now. Um, the two other things that he is known for is fighting gender ideology. So obviously, earlier last year, um, we heard a lot about the Don't Say Gay Bill. And I want to be really clear, this is called the Parental Rights and Education Act. I wrote that down. I want to make sure that that's clear. One of the biggest things that media does is that they, especially on the left, um, progressives have this goal of changing verbiage and jargon um, to suit their agenda. Uh, we saw it we saw with recession. Recession has always meant uh, a decreasing GDP in uh, two quarters, uh, two consecutive quarters. And then suddenly when it happened to the Biden administration, we saw that they changed the definition. Well, we saw it with this because they don't want to hear parental rights. That sounds you know pretty good. Um, so we say, don't say gay instead. And uh, that somehow is you know, supposed to rile people up. So anyway, he's very, um, he's very popular for that. He's very well known for that, as well as fighting Disney uh, and, gender and gender ideology, which is happening right now in Florida. The other thing that he is most known for, and going forward into, and I'll talk about this more in a second, going forward into the 2024 election, this is probably the thing that he will touch the most on because it's where he differs from Donald Trump the most, which is that he was probably the most libertarian governor on COVID. Um, we saw Florida had a, a two-week lockdown, just like the other states did. Um, but pretty much like in like early May, uh, they were pretty much normal. I know the beaches closed for a little bit, but after a long time, they opened. And, you know, we saw like Democrat lawmakers vacationing there because they'd much rather be in Florida where they can go to the beach and go to restaurants than uh, be in New York where it was a, a living hell for uh, a year. But um I think that is probably something that DeSantis is most known for out of anything and uh, will really carry him forward into this campaign. Um, people have very, they've been very critical recently of Ron DeSantis' marketing strategy. Um, most people agree he has very high approval numbers. We'll, we'll look into them in just a second, but they agree that he is great at governing, but they worry that he has a marketing issue. And so I think that this is why he did it on Twitter. So if you didn't hear what happened, he went on Twitter. They essentially had like a live event um, where essentially you could stream it and just listen to it. And it was Elon Musk. It was um, Ron DeSantis as well as one other. And I forgot his name, um, but he was the one kind of hosting the event. And it was very disorganized. Uh, I, I tuned in and listened. It was like, un it was unclear who was speaking. And in fact, there were so many people who logged on uh, about 700,000, just under 700,000, in fact, that the whole thing just crashed and it literally melted. And so there was about a 20 minute delay, which is not great, especially when you're launched, like you're literally trying to be the president of the United States. 
not great look for Ron DeSantis, but an even worse look for Elon Musk, which, by the way, I am an Elon Musk fan, um, but not a great look for him when he just bought Twitter. He's trying to prove that it is an app that can compete with Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and YouTube. And it wasn't a great look when 700,000 people fried everything. Now, after that happened, like it took 20 minutes. There were still a lot of people listening in. Um, but it was still really disorganized after that. And like the, the announcement itself was kind of lackluster. Um, it was literally a guy saying, well, you know, I think Ron DeSantis, you have an announcement for us. And then Ron DeSantis is like, well, I am going to run for the 20, you know, to be the Republican nominee, you know, to be the president of the United States. Um, it was kind of okay. After that, it got much better because Ron DeSantis laid out the things that he's doing in Florida that he's essentially, that's basically his pitch. Basically saying, look how awesome Florida is. I'm going to bring this to the United States. Um, and we talked about it was really awesome. I mean, he had facts. Uh, he didn't slander people, though there were a couple digs at Donald Trump, which we'll talk about. Um, but for the most part, he just kind of spoke facts. Uh, he spoke to issues that I think most voters really care about. Um, immigration, the economy, crime. Uh, that's kind of what he focused on. And it worked out reasonably well. Now, I don't think that Ron DeSantis overcame his marketing problem, unfortunately. But I do think he made an improvement in the fact... I, I think going to Twitter was actually the right move. I think this was smart. I also think having an ally in Elon Musk is wise, especially as Elon Musk is getting more politically active um, as he's kind of emerging as this moderate uh, who doesn't like Joe Biden and could potentially, I don't think he will, but potentially in Ron DeSantis' mind, he could endorse him in the future, which would be a, a huge endorsement. Um, so I thought that was a good move. I think it appeals to younger voters uh, as well as independents, um, but it wasn't executed perfectly. Now, on their part, what Ron DeSantis can say is we had so many people tuning in that it fried the circuits. Like we were so good. We're so popular right now that like it literally didn't work, which is actually a pretty good pitch. Um, that's why I think it's more on Elon Musk that he should have been more ready for it. Uh, and hopefully they'll learn from it. And in the future, they can have candidates of all parties um, and beliefs go on and have successful uh, launches. Um, When looking at Ron DeSantis in the election, I feel like there's, and people aren't talking about this enough, there's two battles, right? To every presidential election, there's always two battles. There's the primary, and then there is um, the actual presidential election between the Democrat nominee and the Republican nominee. But those are two totally different battles because they, and they require different strategies. You're appealing to different people. Um, and what's killing me about Republicans, and I care much more about Republicans right now, because of the fact that Joe Biden is not really going to be challenged. Kennedy is challenging him. He's not, he's a non-factor. No one's going to really vote for him. Not enough, at least. Um, and so the Republican primary is really interesting. What I'm having a hard time with, with Republicans, is they seem to believe that the general election after the primary does not matter. They essentially think that whoever wins the Republican primary, there's just general sentiment that Joe Biden is such a bad president that whoever wins the Republican nominee is going to be our president. Like the Republicans have already won, essentially. So the question is, who is going to be the president? And this is just not true. Like, this is so not true. 
And 20, and if there's any indication of this, it is 2022. Because I would, I would have maybe agreed with you in 2021. Like Joe Biden is an awful president. Afghanistan happened. Um, the economy was in shambles. His handling of COVID was awful. Like his approval rating was abysmal. It was below 40%, uh, even by 2021. And so I would have agreed with you. But 2022 was a really strong indication that it may not make sense, but people are still going to vote for Biden because there's a general sentiment that anything is better than Trump and his um, and the people that he endorses. We saw that with Herschel Walker. We saw that with Mehmet Oz. Um, we saw it with uh, with uh, Carrie, uh, Katie, uh, Carrie Lake uh, in Arizona. Um, Blake Masters, we saw it with. We saw it with countless people, all of them endorsed by Trump. Now, there were a few people who were endorsed by Trump that did get elected, but those were in red, red states that really didn't have, I mean, no one really questioned them getting elected in the first place. In purple states, almost everyone lost. Who didn't lose? Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis gained voters, and those voters came from Democrats and independents. So I think that's a really strong and um, it's a very powerful thing to think about going into 2024, I think to completely neglect and disregard the 2022 election would be a huge mistake for Republicans. Um, it's been said many times, but the art of politics is making it easy for your party to win and hard for the opposition party to win. And so is it, you have to just think to yourself, or I mean, at this point, it's a two-man race, in my opinion, DeSantis or Trump, right? Like, I think the Republicans have a fabulous lineup. I think Vivek Ramaswamy is awesome, actually. I didn't know anything about him until he started running for president. I started listening to his stuff. I think he's awesome. Is he going to win the nomination? No. Like, he's probably not going to win. You know, he just doesn't have enough name recognition right now. Could he win in eight years, four years? Maybe. Um, Nikki Haley, I think she's great. Tim Scott, awesome. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are awesome. But the reality is it's DeSantis and Trump. The name recognition is up there. Um, they're a lot more tried and true. And uh, it's a two-man race at this point. And so what you have to think is Biden, it's it's hard to vote for Biden. We already know this. That's why Republican, that's the good news for Republicans. It's really hard to vote for Biden. The question is, is it easy to vote for DeSantis or is it easy to vote for Trump? That's what Republican voters are going to have to decide. Uh, in my opinion, if you ask me today, I'd say it's hard to vote for Biden. It's hard for, to vote for Trump. I would say it's a lot easier to vote for DeSantis. Why do I say that? Because he literally brought a million independents and liberals onto his side in 2022. Trump in 2022 cost senators in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona. As a party, it does not make sense, in my opinion, for Republicans to support Trump at this point. But... Um, the other thing that's interesting is that in every single poll, Biden, almost every single, I, I've seen like two that are different, but in every single poll, DeSantis beats Biden, Biden beats Trump. And Trump beats DeSantis in the primary. Of course, everyone knows this, right? Like if you take, if you make it a two-man race and you take away all the other people, DeSantis gets a lot more support and the polling is a little closer. But Trump in most poll, in most polls does at least a five-point lead. With the other people involved, Trump has a 20-point lead. And so, again, if, if you're trying to make it easy for you to win, and all the polling is saying that Trump loses to Biden, but DeSantis wins to Biden, I'd, I'd, even if you disagree with DeSantis on some level, you have to ask yourself, 
is it worth risking another four years of Biden? It seems crazy to me that anyone would even consider the fact that they would rather have Biden than DeSantis. They'd rather go down with the ship with Trump and lose and have Biden win than lose to DeSantis. There's also this general sentiment on the polling. I know some of you are saying, ah, oh, but it's the polls. You know, we just don't know. Here's my legitimate question for those people. And this is a hard critique of conservatives right now. I mean, you're going to hear me critique liberals, progressives all day long. I got to, I got to give you a critique to the, the conservatives out there. I hear so much about polls aren't legit. The polling doesn't make sense. What, what data do you have to combat the polling? Now, I'm not saying the polling's always right. I mean, I think there's a lot of data to show that the polling is still reliable enough. But my question to you is, what is the alternative to polling? Like your personal anecdotes? Everyone I talk to, when I say, yeah, DeSantis has a better, if I say to them, DeSantis has a better shot at beating Biden. They say, well, how do you know that? And I say, well, I mean, the polling suggests that. They'll be like, no, no, no. Everyone I talk to says they'd rather vote for Trump than Biden. And you're telling me that off of that knowledge, you think Trump would be a better Republican nominee from your anecdotal conversations with your friends who probably believe similar things to you because as humans, we tend to gravitate towards people who think the same. Yeah, I'd rather trust. I, if I'm the Republican Party and my job is to further the interests of conservatives and Republicans. I'm going to bet on the polls a lot more than I'm going to bet on my 10 friends in Alabama. Um, the other thing is, if you hear Trump's message in comparison to DeSantis's, they're, like they're total polar opposites. DeSantis's whole core message in that Twitter broadcast was, I am 100% responsible. I'm 100% responsible. I will make this happen. We can't have Biden back in the White House. I will fight for you. And there's no excuses. The left plays these dirty games with election. We saw it in 2020. We saw it in 2022. All Trump supporters, by the way, believe this. I believe it. I don't believe that the election was rigged, personally. I believe, well, let me rephrase that. I do believe that the election was rigged. I do not believe that the election was stolen, if that makes sense. I do not believe it was fraudulent. It happened the way it was supposed to, but the rules that were in place were rigged. The media was on their side, the polling, or excuse me, the, uh, the voting laws completely on the left. And so what DeSantis came out and said is, fine, they want to play by those rules. We're going to play by the same rules and we're going to win. That's DeSantis' pitch on how, why you should vote for him to be the Republican nominee to beat Biden. What's Trump's pitch? Trump's pitch is Ron DeSantis is a meatball. And it's unfair that he's running. Like It's like a temper tantrum. He's like, it's unfair that he's running against me. I endorse him. This, this is disloyal. Trump, no one cares. That's like the most childish thing. I've, it's politics. Like, no one cares. And never once did DeSantis say, like, I'm ungrateful for that. I did it all on my own. I don't, I've never heard DeSantis say something like that. You can run against the person that you know, gave you that endorsement and say, hey, I really appreciate your endorsement. I think you're great. You had a great four years, um, but I think it's time for new blood and I'd like to come forward. I mean, I, in my mind, that's what DeSantis is doing. Um, Trump's message is not 100% responsible. Trump's message is, I'm going to have a temper tantrum about Ron DeSantis running and it's all his fault. 
and the election was stolen from me. Like there's no accountability. There's no responsibility there. Do you want a leader like DeSantis who says, I'll take 100% responsibility or do you want the temper tantrum? I think those are legitimate questions to ask. Now, I'm not saying Trump doesn't have anything to offer. He was a great president for the first three years. Last year, not so much. We'll talk about that. I think that was awesome, but you also have to consider the fact that Trump also does have four years of presidential experience. I think that's important. You have to consider the fact that Trump really does attack the people that we want to attack. He attacks the elites. He attacks the media. I think that's awesome. He might even do it more than Ron DeSantis. So I'm not saying that he doesn't have anything to offer. I'm just saying, who do you want leading the party against the opposition, which at this point is Joe Biden? All right, we're going to shift now to talking about the debt ceiling. That's enough about Ron DeSantis. Um, I learned a lot about the debt ceiling. I'll be totally frank with you. Uh, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to the inner workings of the Fed and debt, uh, I'm not a, I'm not an expert on it, um, but I did find very interesting. Mostly, what I want to talk about with the debt ceiling is Speaker McCarthy and what he's done. I want to talk a little bit since I didn't know a lot about the debt ceiling. I assume there's a lot of people out there who also don't know a lot about the debt ceiling. So I want to talk really briefly about how the debt ceiling works. How it works essentially is that Congress has created a ceiling or a limit on what the Treasury can borrow. Um, this is basically mostly in the form of bonds as well as other things. Um, different borrowing practices. So right now, essentially, the expenses are too great. Um, and the payments that are man, so essentially, we have payments that are mandatory, um, such as um, social welfare, uh, as well as other there's, there's all kinds of things that are mandatory, but there's also discretionary spending. And the discretionary spending is what is being negotiated between uh, McCarthy and Biden. Um, essentially, what's happening with the debt ceiling is that we've reached the point where we can't we either have to increase the amount that we can borrow or decrease the spending. Essentially, the U and, and I looked up, like, why is this? I, I guess, like, it's a government, right? Um, I'm not saying they should print money. They can't always print money if they want. But essentially, the U.S. works the same as you and I, where if they cannot be trusted, so in other words, if they default on the debt, if they can't be trusted, who's going to let them borrow money, right? If our credit score is low, People don't want to give us money. Same thing with the United States. Um, and the U.S. has never intentionally defaulted on debt in history, which is really interesting. Uh, I did some reading on this. Apparently in 1979, it was defaulted, but it was an accident. <laughs> it got like fixed immediately after, um, which I think, I think that's pretty funny. But never intentionally have we defaulted the debt. And there's a lot of economic theories on what would happen. But everyone agrees that it would be pretty catastrophic. Um, what Republicans want from this is so... This is what, so I, I got to say, I am very proud of Speaker McCarthy. I did a video on him. It was actually my first video ever. Uh, it was right when he was elected Speaker of the House and everything that went on with that. And what I said, the analogy I used for him was that Speaker McCarthy is essentially like the popular kid in school who no one really likes. Like, he's fine. Um, you know, he's kind of annoying, kind of power hungry. And he runs for student body president. And there's some other people that, also ran, but they mostly ran because they were just like, like, they're not real passionate about it. You know what I mean? Like they're running for student body president, but like they're not doing it. But, but that one popular kid was kind of annoying. He's really passionate about it. And he's talking about all these cool things we're going to do. And you don't really like him that much, but you know what? You vote for him anyway, because you kind of know who he is. Um, that's Speaker McCarthy. 
very power hungry. Um, you know, he he's like very ambitious about it. He's always been like very hardworking as a congressman. And I said, I said this a few months ago. I think he'll do a great job because of the fact that his pride is there and that he's so power hungry. Power hungry. He needs to validate himself. He needs to show everyone that he can do the job that he said he was going to do. And I have to say, he is by far the best speaker that has a backbone that we've had in a long time. I mean, he is the Nancy Pelosi of the Republican Party at this point. Say what you want about Nancy Pelosi, but as a politician, she was very good and she was, uh, she drew a hard line. It was hard to negotiate with her. At this point, though, if we default on the debt, that really does fall on the Democrats. Um, just historically, when the economy, I mean, you can see it right now, when the economy goes bad, when bad things happen fiscally, it's on the president. Uh, I'm not saying that's actually true. I'm just saying that's the perception of the American people. And Joe Biden can't afford that. Joe Biden's sitting at like a 35% approval rating right now. By the way, if you want to know what Ron DeSantis' approval rating is nationally, 59%. Joe Biden has a 35% approval rating. One of his opponents has a 59% approval rating. Just something to consider. Nationally, 16% don't know. So that, that rating can get a whole lot worse for Joe Biden moving forward um, as people see him on the debate stage next to DeSantis if DeSantis wins the nominee. Anyway, going back to the debt ceiling, though, essentially McCarthy does not have a large incentive to give Biden anything. Because, the you know, at the end of the day, like, the blame is going to go on him. Now, of course, there might be some blame, and you've got the media to worry about, and so I think McCarthy still prefers to get something done. But what does the Republicans want? The Republicans recently have taken on the issue of debt. For a long time, Repo Republicans and Democrats will both talk about it. They'll say, like, oh, we got to really get our spending under control. And then um, for a little while, you know, we had this perception that Democrats were overspending and Republicans were doing well. The reality is, is Republicans and Democrats way overspending, both of them. But recently, Republicans have really taken the issue, which I think is really wise, that we just can't afford to spend more money like this. We have to change things. And so McCarthy did this. Democrats, on the other hand, do not have the incentive to do that. They're very happy. Their economic, their economic theory and policy suggests that they can just keep printing money. Um, they would much rather print money so that they can focus on things that are important to Democrats, such as clean energy, as well as infrastructure, as well as social welfare. Uh, if they can just hand people money, they'll probably still vote for Democrats. So Democrats are very incentivized uh, to do this. Um, so with all of that, all that background, what's going on with the debt ceiling, um, McCarthy and Biden came to a, an agreement. And uh, this is according to Isaac Saul over at Tangle. Um, days before a potential default, President Biden and House Speaker McCarthy announced an agreement to suspend the debt limit for two years. The Fiscal Responsibility Act will cut spend. Fiscal Responsibility Act is what um, what they're passing in order to avoid the default. Um, the Fiscal Responsibility Act will cut spending, speed up permitting for some energy products, enact new work requirements for food stamps and TANF. Hopefully I said that right. Recover $28 billion in unspent COVID money and redirect roughly $20 billion of IRS funds to other agencies. Okay, hats off to McCarthy. Could he have maybe pushed a little bit more? Sure. 
But, I mean, we go down this list. What did the Republicans get? What did the Democrats get? Speed up permitting for energy product projects. All of those energy products were, um, they, weren't, they weren't clean energy crap. They weren't windmills or solar panels. It was for like fracking. Okay, win for Republicans, right? That's going to bring down gas. Um, enact new work requirements for food stamps. Probably Democrats, okay? Recover $28 billion in unspent COVID money. Republicans, 100%. Win for McCarthy. Redirect roughly $20 billion of IRS funds to other agencies. McCarthy, 100%. He reduced the IRS. He recovered $28 billion that COVID spent. And in my opinion, they should just give that back. Like. They should essentially just absorb that $28 billion. Um, I don't know where that's going to go. I also, it was unclear where the $20 billion is going to go. If they go to other useless agencies, then that's not going to be much of a win. But in this, I mean, this is a win for Republicans. This is great. Unfortunately, the media have not played that off that way. They've not played it off that it's a win for McCarthy. But just reading through this list, I mean, you can just see this is the Republican agenda. Um, the one unfortunate thing and, and where politics really came into play and probably a bit of a win, maybe for both, frankly, um, is that they put this off two years. Uh, and this will be talked about in 2025 after the election, which is a shame. But I will say this. I hope, and I, I, I think it will, I really hope that on the debate floor between the Republican nominee and the Democrat nominee, Joe Biden, basically, as well as hopefully in press conferences with Speaker McCarthy, they will ask, the journalists will ask questions about this. What are you going to do in 2025? Because what we can't have happen is for this just to be glossed over, for us to vote on someone, and then they can't handle it in 2025. So between talking about DeSantis, Trump, Biden, the election, as well as the default debt, the conclusion I've come to is who can handle this? Can Trump handle it and win? Can DeSantis handle it and win? Can Joe Biden? We already know Joe Biden can't handle it. That's not a question. Um, but he could win. So that's what we need to think about. I really hope those questions are asked. Um, the reality is, is both sides are, are very stubborn about default, but the Republicans seem like they're finally getting a backbone which is why I think um, getting a strong Republican president is important and frankly, keeping Speaker McCarthy at this point. He has shown that he's a backbone and if his approval rating among Republicans goes up, he will be incentivized to keep doing that. We've got to reward our leaders with, we've got to be open about rewarding our leaders. Like I understand that they're elitist. I understand that he wants power. I'm cool with that. But what I'm saying is that let's just use his ego against him. Like, I don't care what his motivations are. If he's, I don't care if he's power hungry. All politicians are power hungry. What I want is for my life to improve. And so if I can stoke his ego, uh, I'll do it. If it means that, you know, debt gets increased and we're fiscally responsible. All right, everybody, that's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to go over to YouTube if you're on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. If you're on YouTube already, please uh, comment down below what you thought about this podcast. If you disagree with me, I'd love to talk about it. See ya.